Good evening. I am so grateful and so thankful for the opportunity um, to speak with you this evening and I'm so thankful for all the encouragement and the support that you've given me and I'm so excited. Are you? I, I'm so excited to serve this congregation and to be a part of this family and look forward to continuing to meet new faces and new people. There's still so many of you that I'm starting to put the faces and the names together and I ask for patience with that. Um, it's still um, so great to get to meet each and every one of you, and I look forward to meeting more of you. Um, and throughout this process, I, I can't wait to continue to build relationships with you and serve with you here in God's kingdom. And as the communications and outreach minister here at Great Oaks, but more so even as a Christian, you and I are challenged to communicate, to communicate with others, but not only that, but to challenge them about communicating the word of Christ and to bring others closer to Christ. And I appreciate Great Oaks and the eldership having that heart that wants to start this church plant. And I'm so excited for that, and I hope you are too. But we know why we should. We know we should tell people about Jesus because it's a command. We, we know who we should reach out to, those um, that are of this world. We know when we should do it all the time. But I think the tough question for us sometimes is how? How do we do it? How do we communicate the message of Jesus to our world today? And it, it seems like an easy question on the surface. And the more that we kind of dig into it, it becomes to be, I think, a little bit difficult for us. Because it seems like the ways to do that always seem to evolve in the way that our culture is today. Back in the past, we may have said, well, maybe I need to invite them to our gospel meeting that we need to have, and that's a great opportunity to do so. M maybe we need to invite them to go get coffee somewhere, somewhere outside of the church building. M maybe if I speak to them in person, well, what do I need to say? How do I speak to them? What kind of tone do I use? M maybe uh, what should I say? What, what are the right words that are going to come out of my mouth that's just that magic bullet that's going to get someone to come to church with me? Perhaps maybe they respond, uh-oh, right? And we think, okay, how do I respond to what they have to say? And there are even new ways today within technology and media that we think about and how we can reach, reach out to other people. Um, do I share a Facebook post about them or comment on their Facebook wall? Maybe do I comment on a post about my beliefs for, so other people can see it? Do I send an email out? Do I text them? Do I call them? How in the world am I supposed to um, communicate with these people? Do I need to create something? What in the world do I need to do in order to do it effectively? And I think sometimes <laughs> there are many that get so overwhelmed by the different ways that we can communicate with people. And if it doesn't work out, many of us, I think, feel oppressed sometimes to feel like that maybe I'm using the wrong method and it becomes more and more difficult to make that jump to communicate with those about Jesus all over again. One of my favorite Christmas movies growing up was the movie Elf. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. I only watched it during Christmas time. But in that movie, um, one of the things that I thought was always neat was something called the clausometer. And in order for Santa's sleigh to fly, you had to have the Christmas spirit, and you had to have those that believed in Santa Claus. And sometimes I wonder in our Christian lives, maybe we feel like that our meter has dropped. 
Maybe we feel like that there just isn't any Jesus spirit anymore in our communities. Maybe we just don't feel like there's many out there that truly believe in him the way that they should. And perhaps sharing that message of Christ feels so burdensome to us to bring up to folks because we don't want to be like that other group. Or maybe we don't want to be like that telemarketer that we get that weird phone call um, that always annoys us and it's always at the worst time. Maybe we don't want to feel like somebody that's just handing out a flyer that we know someone inevitably is going to throw away. We may feel like that it can damage our relationships and how others may view us from that point moving forward in what we say. And in order to alleviate that, there's even some churches and congregations that we're friends with today that may use other means outside of Scripture in order to entice people to walk into their church buildings. And I hope and pray that we never aim to do that. That we don't try and appeal towards people, but we try and appeal to our God. We have a message to share. And sometimes I'm afraid what we call evangelism in this world is what our world would call marketing. And if you think about the two definitions, the idea of evangelism, sharing the good news and the hope that we have and salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, and you think about the idea of marketing, promoting a product or service, And there are some similarities in that, if we're honest. There's sharing hope, and there's promoting services. Jesus provided a service for us, a great service to us, and I think that's something we should share. However, if we say that I'm marketing Jesus, I'd probably get some weird looks. (laughs) That doesn't sound right to us, right? And I think what's been in my mind, and perhaps what's been in your mind, is this idea that we cannot be of the world, versus the idea of relating to the world. We read passages in scripture about how we should stay away from the sin and the darkness of the world. You think about James chapter four and verse four that says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You think about 1 John chapter two, verse 15 that says, do not love the world or the things in the world, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the idea of good marketing means that you can connect with your audience in order to get them, right? So you may say, we don't need to market Jesus, we need to evangelize. But I wonder if we take a look back at what Scripture has to say about love and about friendships, that there's a deeper meaning to that than that there is in our culture today. And as we look in Scripture, I think the key to that is understanding that there's a difference between relating to our world and being like them. It seems like to me that all of us enjoy a lot of the same things. I really love going out to eat in different places, and I've gotten the ability to do that with a lot of you in this room. Um, There's a lot of people that enjoy good food. Perhaps you enjoy watching television. Perhaps you enjoy playing sports or different activities. Perhaps you enjoy spending time with your children or with your grandchildren, and those are all great things. And those are all things that our world loves to. And I think about in Genesis chapter one, when God says that he created us male and female in, our, in his image, he didn't create us or make us up as the righteous to be any different than the others that he created in this world. We have an opportunity as humans and as part of God's creation to connect with others that are like us. But we have a responsibility 
to show them the gospel. And tonight, I want to talk about how we can communicate with those about the gospel. And I want to give three tips to you tonight that we can see in Scripture that will help us learn how to communicate the message of Jesus more effectively um, to other people. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17 even tells us that all Scripture is profitable and thoroughly equips us for every good work. And so if we try and use other ideas outside of what Scripture has to tell us, I think we're starting off on the wrong foot. And I think that Scripture is plenty well enough to help us in this matter and always will be in the future. So three tips from God's Word tonight. And tip number one is let Christ dictate our actions and not the world. Christ went to the temple as a Jew and just like any other Jew, but we see him act in some different ways. When Jesus was 12 years old in Luke chapter 2, Jesus was in the temple studying and being about his father's business. In John chapter 8 and verse 59, Jesus taught and had to even leave the temple due to what he was teaching because people were picking up stones and starting to throw it at him. In Matthew chapter 21 is the story about Jesus cleansing the temple and people were making the temple a house of trade. In John chapter 2, Jesus' teachings that were in the temple ultimately got him arrested. Jesus didn't choose to avoid the temple after the first time. <laughs> he saw what disharmony could have been caused, but he didn't choose to avoid the temple from that on forward. We even see Christ in Matthew chapter 12 break the Sabbath. He didn't let the world dictate what righteous decisions he made. And I'm sure Christ respected and followed the Sabbath on some other days during his life, but he wasn't afraid to teach to make a point. In Mark chapter 2, we see Jesus at Levi's house eating with sinners. And he even had to correct his disciples to say, this is okay. He didn't just take societal norms as the way to go. In John chapter 17, if you would turn your Bibles there, and it was a part of our scripture reading tonight, one of Jesus' final prayers recorded in scripture in his life on earth. And I want us to look through that passage together, starting in verse 6. Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of the world. And if you stop and pause for a second, that Jesus is speaking in this prayer to God the Father on behalf of his followers. He's talking to God the Father about us. And verses 7 and 8 elaborate that. But as we go through um, verses 13 through 21, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. And as we look through this passage, what a powerful passage. What a powerful passage and prayer that Jesus gives that the world and us are different, but we're called to model Jesus' example, to love them. If you look back in verse 14, it says that the world hates us because we're different, that this world 
hates us. That's not easy to swallow. We think about it even in verse 15 as it comes through. It talks about that we as his people are not of this world. But I think it's interesting too that he says that I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. That Jesus prays here for our protection. He doesn't pray for our removal to, to get away from the world and all these different things, but he prays for us that we be an example to them. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. But in verse 18 as well, it shows, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Think about that as Jesus is talking about his followers here. Jesus prays for those as well in verses 20 and 21, for those that will come to know him and that they may change, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. No one can separate us from the love of Christ. We are asked to model to the world that same love. And if you look at the last verse in that chapter in verse 26, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. And I think this shows a clear distinction between hating the sin and loving the sinner. Do not love the things of this world, but love those like Jesus does. And this leads us into tip number two. Being in this world presents opportunities to shine God's light. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Joseph. He gets these dreams. He's the son of Joseph. He's got the coat of many colors. And he gets thrown into a pit by his brothers. He gets into slavery, gets sold into slavery and sent to Egypt. And he ends up being brought into the house of Potiphar, as we read in Genesis chapter 39. And within being... At Potiphar's house there in Genesis 39, he's confronted with a pretty uncomfortable situation. If you would, turn to Genesis chapter 39, verses 6 through 12. And in this passage, it says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. Joseph speaking here, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. We think about this story, and I, I can't help but think about what Joseph must have been thinking when it says that day after day that he would not listen to her. And at what point then is, is Joseph thinking, man, I'm in a bad situation here. And how often in my life do, do we encounter sin and darkness, and before we run away from it, do we explain why we make the decisions we make? Because if you look back and hear what Joseph has to say, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Potiphar's wife continued to pursue Joseph despite Joseph's refusal, but she had a chance to understand and to learn 
why he refused. And therefore, then she had a personal choice for herself to make, a sin against God. And it makes me wonder, in times that we encounter sin, perhaps like Joseph did, do we sit around and do, do we see the darkness of our world and do we choose to run away from it? Or do we choose to shine God's light? And do we choose to make sure that we see um, the opportunities and the moments where we can do so? What will we do when we encounter sin? He was still thrown into prison and he dealt with struggles. But as we see that God still protected Joseph and blessed his life. But at the same time, as we read in this too, that Joseph ultimately fled and got out of the house. The scripture says, but one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. After Joseph said, this is going to be a sinful thing. This is a sin against my God. He still fled from the sin in the process. Will we take advantage of the moments where our faith is challenged to stand up in the midst of the world, or will we not say anything and just run away? Joseph said something before he ran away from the darkness and the sin that he was around. The third tip tonight, search and pray for opportunities in this world to connect them to God. And as Tim had even mentioned too this morning, one of my favorite people in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. And I'm amazed by his efforts to spread the gospel and to communicate God's message with those he encountered. And that zeal that Tim talked about this morning um, is so great that we see in Paul. One of the things that helps me in seeing um, that heart that Paul had was in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, he's standing in the midst of the Areopagus, and he says there in those verses, men of Athens... I perceive in every way that you are very religious. He's there around all the gods and all the different statues he sees. And he says, For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, and I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He saw an opportunity based on what was around him to make a connection with these people, these people that were worshiping all these different gods that we see. How often then do we find ourselves in situations where we can connect things back to God. I think about as an easy example how often I'm reminded in small talk how much we talk about the weather. And I think to myself within that, how many times do I think to bring up God in talking about the weather and talking about his creation and God's ability as a designer to do so many different great things? How great would it be that every time we talk about the weather, we mention the greatness of God? Anytime I think about my family and friends, I often think about how thankful I am for the church family here and my brothers and sisters in Christ. And perhaps when you eat with your friends and you enjoy that good meal with someone that you think about that great dish that's at the church potluck that you just got to try sometime. Perhaps we can connect things in this world um, in conversations that we have with others and show them the love of Christ through that. 
But when we're in conversations with those that aren't Christians, do they see a reflection of Christ in you when you speak about the everyday things in your life? I sure hope that they do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 22 and 23, Paul says this great statement. He says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. We work for the sake of the gospel. And what we plan to do here as a congregation, I hope we work for the cause of the gospel. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. Let's be there to support the people around us. Also, pray. You think about Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us, Paul talking to the church there, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. In 2 Thessalonians excuse me, chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and from evil men. For not all have faith. Paul in these passages says, don't pray for me, pray for us. Not just for him. And it's important to see here that we ask and we petition for God's help in this matter. That it's his message that we're sharing in the first place. So it makes sense to ask him for help as we share it. We're working and laboring with God, as Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38 says, But God is the one that we are trying to connect them to, not ourselves. And as we choose to model Christ, I hope that people can see Christ in us. We hope our example of Christ in us is what they see, not who we are as individuals, because we're not perfect. We're human, just like the rest of those around us. And in how we plan and how we hope to communicate here as a congregation as we close tonight... I hope we aim to use the same model as Christ did. Um, One of the things that I hear all the time is that Christ is the master communicator. And I think Christ is the best example that we can see in Scripture and how to show people the love of Jesus. But I I hope we aim to use this same model. And I may not know the best method. Perhaps you may not know the best method. But I think the best place to start is in his word and in the Scriptures. And that will ultimately lead us towards where we need. And we must communicate in a way that relates and connects with our world in order to reach them, but we must do it in a way that also shows our differences. And as you think about the darkness and the light, if we are the lights of this world, we can't be in another room, but we got to be with them there. And as we show the lights of this world, that they can see our good works. Then, as we shine as our lights, we must give God the increase. And we read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 6 and 7. The message of Jesus tonight can always touch his creation. All those that he's created, God's message can apply towards. But we, as a congregation, as you and me here tonight, as God's children, we can use the tools in this world that God has given us for his glory to share that message, and to share it to all of his creation. 
I may not know each and every one of you yet. I'm still trying to meet new faces and new names. But tonight I hope um, that you have a relationship with Jesus. And I know that there's a group of people here tonight, our elders, our ministers, even you sitting here in the pews tonight, um, that love and appreciate each and every one of you. And if there's anything that you're struggling with, we want to be with you here as a church family, whether it be emotionally, whether it be physically, spiritually, we want to be here for you. And in the same way, if there's times that you've been struggling in your Christian life as well, um, we want to be for, here for you and put our loving arms around you. If there's anything that you need this evening, we ask that you let it be known as we together stand and sing.